Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Creation Innovation. I am so looking forward to this conversation today with Andrea Sertesh. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, I'm happy to be here. She is a relationship expert and the founder of Pregnantish, the first media platform exclusively dedicated to helping people navigate infertility and modern family building. A regular on-air personality, Andrea Andrea's hosted television shows for Oprah's own network, Discovery and Fox, and regularly appears as a guest expert on TV and radio shows across the country. She's the author of popular books, including He's Not Your Type, and That's a Good Thing, and Cheat on Your Husband with Your Husband, both published by Penguin Random House and the host of Pregnantish Podcast. She is committed to breaking the taboo of infertility and elevating the conversation about what it takes to start a family for millions of people today. This is quite a bio, Andrea. Thanks for being here. So much for having me. So how did you start Pregnantish? Um, well, I never, I joke, but it's the truth. I never wanted to be an infertility spokesperson at all. I was closeted for a long time while I was struggling, but I was out in the media for many years. Um, like, as you mentioned in the bio, I was hosting TV shows. I was on book tours, um, silently struggling behind the scenes to get and stay pregnant. And because I was covering relationship advice in all of my books and all my TV shows and everything I was doing, I felt like we were missing a major chapter of modern day relationships, which is when sex does not make baby. Right. Uh, that can be very challenging. So um, Pregnantish was born out of uh, the frustration I had that the content I was being served at that time, I started trying around 2011 through 20. I had my baby finally the end of 2018. Um, from 2011, Andrew? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So my, wow. well, we'll probably go into that, but yeah, um, all those years of struggle, I was pitching producers saying, you know, we, let me talk about a relationship trend, uh, like how to keep sex sexy when you're trying to conceive and it doesn't work, how to pick an egg or a sperm donor. These are relationship questions. Should you go to your friend's baby shower when you're triggered by it because you've miscarried all these right things that I was navigating personally I knew were relationship questions and a lot of people told me that was too depressing or there wasn't a space for it so we created our own space for it called Pregnantish we were first to market at this time I incorporated in 2016 we were the first platform uh, media channel dedicated to helping people navigate this wacky process of getting pregnant with help Yes. And the first, and I will say still, now we're in 2023, still really the most, I would say, comprehensive and kind of the go-to for when people are searching for things and or they have a friend that maybe just be starting starting down this path and they're like, you should go check out Pregnantish, which is a lot to say because there are so many now on the market, right, that have kind of followed in your footsteps, was always, which is always a compliment, right, to say that you were the trailblazer in that in that way and also shows how far we have come around this conversation around infertility and the awareness about the fact that 
this is happening all over the world, literally, and it really does need a voice and does need a platform for people to find information because these are very new waters for people to navigate. And the fact that most people our age, and I will say our age, I'm probably older than you, but we didn't have that. We didn't have conversations around hearing our parents talk about that at the dinner table and things of that nature. Now those conversations are being had more and more, but even still it's kind of breaking into this still uncharted path and there there needs to be and to continue to have more and more information out there for people like you said what do i do if i don't want to go to a baby shower just the simple things of that when you're sincerely happy for somebody else but you just really don't feel like showing up etc oh 100 and you know it's good news that there's more like like you said it's there's can never be enough because when you're struggling you feel so alone and it feels like every day people are getting pregnant, they're celebrating, and you feel like the lone person who's struggling. And just, I think the online communities show, oh my goodness, this is happening much more than we think. And we always say a pregnant-ish, and thanks for the kind words about pregnant-ish, because I think we really, early on, we started a series called PSA, Pregnant Service Announcements, in year one in 2017, where we were trying to educate the population about our feelings and what to say to us, what not to say, because we don't expect everyone to know, but, you know, and, and also send messages to our community. Like you're not a bad friend. If you feel bad when you hear a friend is expecting, right. You're a bad friend. And, um, and there are certain things that we don't want to hear. And now I see this all over Instagram, but we were one of the early ones saying like, let's banish words, like just from our vocabulary, because it just relax, just adopt. These things are not helpful to anyone struggling with anything, not just infertility. Absolutely. We don't do a great job in our culture of supporting people through grief in general. Right. But, um, but one thing that also struck us early on um, is, you know, we're in an era now, like you said, people are talking, there's more awareness, there's still a long way to go. But 30 years ago, um, you know, we may have thought like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that aunt, that family friend just never wanted to have a child. Right. Maybe that person was infertile. So it's really changed. I think this awareness that you're talking about and we're talking about has really not only changed uh, for the better for those struggling, but we all, we all have more compassion now. We understand more that this is everywhere. Yes. And I've noticed too, in my work that even people that are in their fifties, sixties, seventies are now saying, I actually had a miscarriage. I struggled. So they've been silent about all of these things for so long because they carried that shame and didn't let their family know that that's what they were going through. And now it's freeing them as well from this kind of being bound to this big secret that they have that no longer has to be a secret, no longer has to be shameful. And the more that we talk about those things, the more it can release everybody at any age to say, it's okay. And we also have been through that. And we also, it helps us heal to know that other people have gone through it. Cause I know when I started my path, I didn't know anybody who had gone through it. And then when I had my first miscarriage, I didn't know anyone who had a miscarriage. And now it's like, 
they come out of the woodwork, right? You're like, well, where were these people before, you know, when this was happening, right? So I think it's a really beautiful way of connecting as women too, as a collective to say, we, we all go through some sort of struggle in this way, maybe not fertility specific, but there is some aspect of struggle in general, you know, and, and this is a really awesome platform to, to learn about different ways and different things that are happening. And I will say for pregnantish so much on the forefront of kind of trends of what's going on and talking to the people, the diversity about what also is happening and not just kind of what we traditionally think of relationships and families, right? So how did you guys start or was it always that way from the beginning of just kind of embracing this whole other aspect of people having children on their own or same-sex marriages? And, you know, there's literally it's endless and to a degree, I feel like. Totally right. Um, we actually made a conscious effort at the beginning of Pregnantish to include underrepresented voices and stories. So one thing I was challenged with when we went live by media friends, in fact, because I'd been in the media for a while, was like, why are you parsing out singles and LGBT um, in because the tabs on pregnancy said couple singles, LGBT and other categories. Why, why don't you just put people? And I said, no, no, no. I can't just put people uh, because, and also in my welcome video to Pregnantish, I called out men because I said, I can't just say people because men, uh, people in the LGBTQ plus community and singles are left out of the story of infertility and modern family building too much. And I need them to know that they have a place here because they're accessing the same confusion questions Absolutely. as I am right um, and we are so yeah we did make a very conscious decision also to include non-white people we were one of the early platforms um saying like diversity and inclusion needs to be part of the story I remember my first interview in year one was with Broken Brown Egg Regina mm, Townsend, yeah. who's a great voice you probably know and you know we she's an African-American woman. And she said like her whole life, she was told not how to not get pregnant. Not that maybe she couldn't. Right. She, she helped educate our audience at Pregnantish many years ago saying, look, people like from all kinds of backgrounds are impacted and infertility does not discriminate. Right. So don't, don't, but we don't see ourselves in the materials ever. And we don't see ourselves in the doctor's office or the ads for right. IVF. Right. And finding a donor. I know with people I've worked with, it's not as easy for them in that sense too. And childbirth and, 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 right. I mean, unfortunately it's everything. Yeah. So we did make a conscious effort, but um, it's, you know, and I think like, doesn't it feel, I know you probably feel this way too, Elizabeth or anyone listening. Like anytime you tell someone your story of miscarriage or infertility, they have a story or their best friend or their, co-worker or their neighbor like everybody has a connection to this it's absolutely so so it would be silly not to be inclusive (laughs) for sure and i think to that point as i was saying earlier because everybody does have a connection to it just like divorce or somebody who's had cancer or somebody who's had a heart attack or whatever i go back all the time as to why are we not talking about this more why is there not the awareness? And it is, to be fair, there has been great strides just even the last few years around the awareness of it. But even still, 
I'll talk to people and they're like, I'm not quite sure I'm going to tell my family or I'm not quite sure how to tell my friends that I'm using an egg donor or whatever. And there's no judgment. I understand we're all on the path that we need to be on and we are exactly where we need to be. But it is happening so frequently. And it it's just a matter of they're not telling you that it's happening. And so it makes you feel isolated when you're in it yourself. But the more that we realize the one in six in the Starbucks line is going through this and they're also one in four is having a miscarriage, et cetera, et cetera, not even including all this other diversity that we just spoke about, that blows the doors on everything of the people that aren't being reported, right? So it's like, you just wanna get a megaphone and say, can everybody just raise your hand so we can have a show of hands of who's been going through this? So people recognize you are so not alone in this path. 100%. One of the first things we decided at Pregnantish was we would host live events for that reason. We thought it was really important to look around the room and see people who had a shared experience, uh, not in the dark. And right. at one of our early events, we had a man stand up in 2017 on a microphone and say, I have no sperm. And a pharma sponsor at that time, <laughs> really nice person. I don't blame her at all, but she said, how did you get that guy to do that? And I said, I didn't get anyone to do that. There's, there's, It's a relief to share when you start sharing when you've been in secrecy. Um, it's hard. I, I don't blame people who don't want to share, but right. it's, it's, there's, there's something very liberating when we do share and then having, looking around the room and being like, oh my gosh, everyone around me. Yeah. Everyone around me is touched by this. We, we did that by design. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about the men, I know as quick story about being on LinkedIn and posting about our stuff and of someone that works with my husband reached out to him and said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I went through infertility with my wife and it was actually me. It wasn't her. And so it's so great to see that these people are out there helping other families that are going through this. And, you know, these guys are in the labor unions in New York and all over the place. And, you know, it's not a conversation that they would have, but even the guys, like you said, are feeling more comfortable to say, this is what's happening and I needed help and it's okay because now I've gone on to build my family. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is so cool too. empowering just everybody along the way to say, like, we got you and we have information for you and we have the help for you. And you also are not alone. It's just, again, another demographic that is probably more quiet now than the women, right? Most women are on social media and more open to talking about it. But there's, I think there's a lot of hope for everybody involved at this point. Yeah. And one thing that's so interesting, I'm going to be speaking on a social media summit coming up. So much still does happen behind the scenes. So when people aren't public about it, and there's still a lot of people, we get thousands of views in our, in our stories and in the direct messages we, we get from people who would never raise their hand and say, right. I have no sperm right. um, or, or I have endo or any of these things. Um, I'm always a little suspicious when I see an infertility page with thousands of, of likes, uh, because that's just not how the community generally behaves. Um, right. You know, it doesn't mean sometimes you can't hit it, but unless you're Kim Kardashian, this community doesn't, 5,000 people don't like a post about infertility generally. It's just right. not what it looks like because this is a, a grief community for the mm -hmm. most part. We can sometimes laugh at ourselves. We can sometimes congregate in these beautiful moments, but don't also, I just 
guess for anyone listening who's like, oh gosh, I never want to share. That's also very common to sure. like with your, your top, you know, trusted friends is also okay. <laughs> I could good. not agree with you more. I think it's also common, you know, when it's in your rearview mirror, you feel like, okay, I can actually talk about this now, right? When you have your baby in your arms, because there is so much around it that is stressful. And you're just trying to get through day by day, treatment by treatment, doctor by doctor of like, what do I do next? How do I figure this out? And I think that's also a big part of it is you don't have to figure it out by yourself anymore. Whereas previously, you know, 10 plus years ago, when I started with the egg freezing and stuff, it nobody was talking about it. No one was doing that, right? And it was really, you're only doing it maybe if you have a medical reason. It wasn't like just in case because I'm single building my business, I'm gonna do this. That wasn't really a thing. And now it's so cool that so many young girls are like, that's part of their work plan, right? I'm going to build my business. I'm going to freeze my eggs then. I'm going to do this then. I'm going to meet my guy later, you know, whatever it may be. And I think just the way to look at it all so different is so very, very cool. What has been your favorite part of growing Pregnantish for all these years that you've noticed? Uh, well, a few things that, that I've noticed, one thing is I launched it in the middle of my struggle. And one thing I noticed was that a lot of companies hadn't been created until someone had a ha- quote unquote happy ending. Right. And, but I would encourage anyone. It was the greatest gift for me to launch in the middle of my struggle, because then I I started opening my eyes and my mind to the possibilities of what family looked like. Whereas I think in year one to five, well, no, I launched pregnancy year five. So I didn't have a resolution. The audience knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started hearing, you know, in the first few years of trying, I was like, it's gotta be my body, my aches, my this, my that. Um, and then after hearing through pregnant the world of how so many families are created in these unexpected ways where people didn't imagine they would need help right. with a donor or with a surrogate or whatever it was. Um, and they, they all said the same thing when I was interviewing them, I could not imagine having a different baby. I'm so thankful I took the unexpected step. And then I started to think, you know what, in year five, when I launched or year six, when I still didn't have a resolution, I came home one day and I said to my husband, everyone at pregnancy is teaching me, it doesn't have to be my, my body, my eggs, my, your sperm. Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to be a parent. And in the end, it wasn't it was my egg and it was my husband's sperm, but not my uterus. So that part, actually, it wasn't my body to deliver the baby. Um, But I think like Pregnish gave me that gift. I also, what excites me about Pregnish today is we, we launched the biggest survey ever on why patients leave fertility clinics. And I've spoken now at five scientific conferences, um, uh, bringing the patient voice to the scientific community is very exciting and it is congratulations thank you but it's also like exciting because it's not my voice it was over a thousand patients contributed because they cared deeply about making this process less sucky for the next generation and so we've grown our our research division so that we could continue to drive awareness not just for the greater public not just for the patient community but for the healthcare industry to say look this is what patients are feeling and needing. And if we don't listen to them, we're, we're going to make a hard experience so much harder. So we, we really should wake up to that. So that, that's been really exciting for me. 
That's yeah. fantastic. I agree with you at the sci one of the scientific conferences we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It was so nice. I was sitting in some of these research studies as well. And hearing them have this awareness now, the doctors who were not trained in that sense to have the, the mental awareness of what these patients were going through, right? They're always very scientific about it. We're going to take the sperm, we're going to study the egg, yada, yada, put it together. But they weren't thinking of the emotional impact that this was all having on them. So to see so many sessions of doctors talking about this and challenging each other to say, hey, were you ever, was this ever spoken to you about at medical school? No, it wasn't, right? It wasn't no, talked it wasn't. about, about how is your patient feeling in this? Are they experiencing PTSD because of what they're going through, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're seeing this bridge between what the medical doctors can do, which I love. I always say we, we build these fertility teams. We're not here to take away from them. We need them, of course, but also the bridge between the coaches and the support systems and the advocates and the acupuncturists and all the things that go into the mental state for the success of the patient. And to see this new collective of doctors come in to recognize, yeah, it takes all the things to get the patient there. And yes. all the things matter to the patient. Yes, they want a, a qualified doctor, but they also need this, this other side of things that the medical community is now having an awareness of, which I think is so cool. I do. I agree totally. And I think what you're doing as a coach is so important. I, in general, I bet, by the way, I, I used to be a, a coach. Um, I've, I don't anymore. I went through coach training Institute and I, I love the coaching model. I think yeah. it's so impactful for people and it's so smart. And for people struggling to seek a coach or a therapist to someone dedicated to their emotional well-being, um, right. is, is like, you can't put a price on that. That is, everything. So I think it's wonderful you're doing that. And I, I agree. I think we're, we have more awareness than ever that um, it takes a village that's far beyond the medical experience. Yes. So tell us a bit about the work to improve the patient provider journey that yes. Pregnantish is doing too. Well, so <laughs> on that note, when we, when we heard from over a thousand patients of yes. they their doctors, we created um, a course for doctors. Uh, it was free, by the way. This was totally social good. I was not charging clinics, which I think confused people at the beginning because they were like, wait, you could probably charge. And, and we're not funded at Pregnantish. So like part of, you know, some business people might think I was silly, um, but it really was important to me to get the patient voice to the right people. And so we would lead these awesome and then COVID hit, but we would, we, we trained uh, 30 doctors with our materials. Amazing. Um, we said, say this, not that. Like, it was like, there were scripts, everything. Yes. The next phase of it now, we actually are launching a study coming up through Pregnant Insights on, um, we call it the state of fertility. It's the state of fertility 2023, a patient's point of view. We're going to do it annually. And um, now we, again, our goal when we hear from patients is to bring this voice to um, media and to scientific conferences to just improve the process. We will find out through the patients we pull that coaching matters, that yeah. all these things that some doctors, some healthcare providers don't believe you until you have data. Right. So we're really excited 
to bridge that gap. Our real, I think what we do at Pregnish pretty well is bridge the gap between patients and providers because we're friends with a lot of providers. And at our events, we always have patients and providers at the same event, the same table. Right. Yeah. So we're not looking to like do us and them. We're we're making a baby together. So I get I totally. Right. So our goal is not to throw providers under the bus. We're grateful as you are to them. Yes. Just to bring the patient perspective more and more to industry is the goal. Right. And what I always say is for them, it's another day in the office. For us, it's life-changing, right? The news is shifts the trajectory of our life in that moment. And there to them, it's again, just another day in the office. And that's not the way we can operate anymore. And I think really the the idea of bringing those two together and having everybody understand each other in a sense of, well, coaching specifically, I think the clinics haven't really noted, where do where does coaching fit in? What does that even mean, right? And that's part of the hurdle as well versus therapy, et cetera. And that's a whole nother conversation. But they are recognizing from the perspective of now clients come patients of theirs coming in to say i've been working with this person and this person and this person all these people have been lifting me up through my journey and i feel so much better as a whole whereas when i was going through it there was no such thing i know my husband was like i wish we could have seen we tried to see a therapist around it and they hadn't been through the fertility situation or they weren't sharing that so it felt very disconnected right and that's what's so important i feel like for us and the people that we coach is that you understand that you're on the path together you understand what it means to go to the doctor every other day to try every time you're ovulating and it's not working and that frustration and all the things so I really love that you guys are bridging that gap and you have this amazing platform to to hear all the voices of the patient, which is, again, there there really is no other way to be doing that and to have the data. I'm a very data-driven person. I love the black and white. So anything that we can get around that is like, yes, it's the more that we can can push that direction, the better, especially when we're speaking to that community of providers, right? That is how their brain works. Yeah. Yes. Um, congratulations again on all of that. And I cannot wait to see your continued success in all the things and having this awareness continue to grow. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I know we speak the same language, which is um, something very special about the community that we know right away. Some of the <laughs> we can meet once or a hundred times, but we've no, we we have an entry point right away where Absolutely. we're alive. I, I so appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for your time again and for being here and we will talk soon. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.